This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Everything Went Black. Welcome Heath Rave of Lotus Thrones to the show. I've been really hyped on this band. My good friend Morgan turned me on to them, and I've been all in ever since his recommendation came through. So it was cool to find out that Heath and I have a bit of a shared history. And uh, you can listen to the show and find out all about that. Before we get going, I want to shout out the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. We're the elite podcasting Illuminati, including Horror Wolf 666, brought to you every other week by Brandon Legion, Jackie Smith with the best weekly metal podcast, Into the Necrosphere. Of course, this is Everything Went Black. Necromaniacs, a show that I co-host alongside Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, Soul Knox, Brought to you by Carl Hikara for all things weird, macabre, and esoteric. And our newest member, lurking in the margins, Iblis Manifestations. Brought to you by Cheyenne of the great band, Trivax. If you want to support the show, of course, you can like us um, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can also join the Patreon. So there's several tiers. There's a $1 a month tier a $5 a month tier, and then a sponsorship tier, which uh, is $25 for those of you who are bold enough to promote their business, band, or project on Everything Went Black. My good friend Morgan from the band Black Ops and Kill the Client and a bunch I love of other bands. Kill, I, I fucking love Kill the Client. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were great. Um, good, good friend do I of mine. Know I don't know. Do I know Morgan? Do you uh, have sure. you ever met any of the guys from Kill the Client? No, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. No, I just they were just they were incredible. He turned me on to Lotus Thrones, and uh, he sent me this link, and he's like, "This is uh, something that you need to uh, be into." And usually Morgan gives me good recommendations. And, uh, of course, I listen to it, and it's right up my alley. And uh, so congratulations, man. I think, I think the uh, Heretic Souvenir is an uh, incredible record. Thank you. Thanks so much. I, uh, um, I had a little ego death with it, I think, um, just because it it's been – response has been relatively lackluster you know so but i also don't also makes me kind of happy because i feel like um there's a certain kind of person that's gonna like what i make um i've definitely and definitely knowing you through the years the little bit that we know about each other and this this 
influences I hear in your music, it doesn't surprise me. Like it. Plus, every time I see you, you're in that Fields of the Nephilim shirt. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely one of my favorite bands. Um, I I got a chance to see them actually back. I don't know. Back in I think 2016, 2015, we played at Roadburn the same day that so they say, played. As I say, was that at Roadburn? I feel like this is the only show they played in like the last twenty years or something. I think they yeah they just do festivals in Europe. That's it. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and like they did like Hellfest one year, and um, I was like so excited just to see them play, and and I can say that I actually saw them play live, and it was incredible. We had a Dawn Razor on tape in the first uh, Wolfhammer van, actually. I, yeah, cause we had a tape deck in there, and I managed to find Don Razor on tape at uh, the the UCD place in Minneapolis. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like uh, the John Zepp's uh, store, right? Is that the one we're talking about? No, no, it's like the it's like it's, it's like a, just like a used crap like it's like a huge warehouse of UCDs. And you found it there? Yeah, I found it there. Yeah, in this huge tape collection. That and like. Shit, other shit I needed like Van Halen one. You know what I mean? You need that on tape for the drive for sure. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Van Halen one is like my favorite Van Halen record. That that I like Fair Warning too. Actually, Fair Warning's great. Um, it's a metal record, really. So. You know, it's funny. Um, back when I used to do the uh, Gimme Radio Metal Matters podcast, we did a whole episode on Fair Warning. Oh, it's a good record. Um, and then. What's my other one? Uh, you, I cut back into it because Ken Andrews from Failure was talking about his favorite songs on a podcast, and one of them is Unchained on Fair Warning. Yeah, yeah, that's on Fair Warning. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of his his favorite songs. That's one of his favorite songs of all time. Is Unchained from Van Halen. I'm like, no wonder, no wonder Failure's so sick, and they can they know how to rock harder. <laughs> Unchained had that kind of. Um you know, fake improv, like breakdown, you know, in the middle. Where, oh, yeah. Uh, it was yeah, like, come totally. on, Dave, give me a break, you know. <laughs> One yeah. break coming up. <laughs> One break coming up, yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, music music just isn't like that anymore, you know what I mean? No, it's not. It's not. That's the other thing with, like, I don't know. That's the thing with when I started Wolfhammer. Um, and then even with what I'm doing with this, it's like, there's, I mean, entertainment needs to be involved for me i wanted to have fun i want to hear some like harmonies and melodies and at the same time being dark you know what i mean but like there needs to be a little bit of a fun factor happening and i think that there's a lot of lack of that actually before we talk about lotus thrones let's talk yeah. about Wolfhammer because sure our, let's talk about know, it my uh my, my good friend jeff wilson uh is involved in that band so jeff wilson's my best friend yes so I, I, I'm not sure if you know this at all, but Jeff and Ken Sorceron were fill-in members of Tombs back in 2017. I told, yep, I totally knew that. I knew that when it was happening. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a uh, a really nightmare. Not, not not those guys, but that was like a very tense um, moment in the Tombs uh, career. <laughs> it was, yeah. We we finished recording an album. We had all this touring lined up, and uh, I found myself with uh, basically no members in the band. And uh, Ken and Jeff, we had just finished touring with Wolfhammer just a few months prior to that, and those guys 
I knew were uh, were road road guys. So um, yeah, they love it. They love it for sure. And they're uh, um, Jeff. I don't know. I mean, I don't know much. Jeff's my friend. I don't know Ken really that well. Um, we shared a practice space at one point back when Abigail was in Chicago with us, but I don't. But he's neither here nor there to me. But like, um, I mean, but Jeff is does his fucking homework. He's one of the most professional people I've ever ever had the pleasure of being a band's list. And then the fact that you know he helps me with his like he does Lotus Thrones through Disorder and stuff and. We did the Wolfhammer stuff through that for like vinyl. Like he's just, he's one of the most incredible people I've ever met. Yeah. I love um, Jeff. I mean, we, uh, you know, we did that whole U S tour with Wolfhammer. Then he was in the, you know, filling in, in the band. And then tombs also did, uh, like a two week tour of Chrome waves too. So it was really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you know, that um, band's great. And pretty much all the stuff Jeff does is great in my opinion. For sure. And like, if you like, even like, you know, the deeper grave stuff, I'm yeah. doing more and more, I'm doing more and more of the vocals on some of that stuff with him too. So, um, all right. So give me, here. give me the whole rundown here. Cause I, all right. Okay. I knew you were a wolf hammer. Were you, are you also in deeper graves? No, I'm not. I just, he just ends up like the last couple recordings. He had just, he would just make, yo dude, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So yeah. So I just jump in. Warm. All right. All right. So, Let's start with Wolfhammer. So what, you know, that band's through a bunch well, of different lineups. And so let's talk about that. Actually, we can start, we can start with, uh, across tundras actually. Okay. All right. Let's do that. I, Cause, uh, you might be familiar with them there on neuro and stuff. Um, but I helped start that band with Tanner Olson back in Denver in 2003 or 2004. And then, um, he kept going with that. And then I moved to Minneapolis. Um, and I did, this kind of doom project with called vernal pool with uh, Eric Torkelson from um, exam. Okay. Yeah. Examination of the, yeah. And then, um, and my friend Micah was in that with me and that's how Wolfhammer started. So um, the whole vernal pool thing, which I'll send it to you, you might like it, but it was like a 45 minute song, like Earth's kind of style stuff, but based on Blood Meridian from Cormac McCarthy, real pretentious oh, bullshit. You know? that, that's <laughs> my middle. That's my middle name is uh, pretentious. So yeah, pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll, it, it takes some ten minutes before we hit a note or some shit. I don't remember, but um, but I just remember being like, I just like need to play fast because Across Tundras was kind of like a, a like. If Crazy Horse was more of a doom metal band, you know, like, right. but it had like that that Neil Young vibe to it. Um, so Wolfhammer was a direct response to like, I'm like, I'm like a punk kid, dude. I'm like, I want, I need to go fast. I'm a drummer. I'm fucking bored doing this shit too. So I was like, what? It was like, what would Motorhead and Dark Throne sound like? Well, probably Hellhammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. Um, we I got it with a Micah and I started it with uh this Ryan McKern, um, who did that he did a project with uh Mike from My Hey God, I forgot what it was called. God, I feel bad too. Um, because Ryan's a sweetheart. Um, god damn it, what was that called? Uh, was it like just Mike or a bunch of other guys too? From you no, know, it's just Mike and Ryan, it was like a noise project. Huh. Long okay. name, long, arty, weird name. Um, but then um, 
Andy, who does uh, Feral White, Andy Schoengrun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we played with them yeah. in, in uh, some shithole in the middle of, middle of nowhere, I remember. There was like five and people at the show. They're fucking, he's incredible. But he did, um, he joined up, and then we did Black Marketeers, the first record. So okay. the four of us, Minneapolis. And then um, due to certain circumstances, people had to go different ways. Well, and then um, Adam from he was he had been in Vale of Maya and Iron um Iron Thrones who's he's now the singer of Skeleton Witch. Yeah. Adam Adam joined a week before a South by Southwest tour which was also our first tour with Jeff Wilson. And that's Jeff, I saw you guys at that at that cuz we also played South by the same year you guys did. That's oh that's I, right. Yep, yeah. yep, totally. That's right. Did we play the we played a showcase together, right? Or no? Um you guys played the uh Profound Lore showcase with with uh Ken Mode. I think. Yep. Yeah. And um, uh, what's that fucking awesome metal band? God, they're just like traditional. I can't remember the name of their name. They're so rad. That might have been a different uh, show because you know how like everyone plays like a hundred shows. Yeah. No. Moment. Well, there was yeah. it was they were like one of the headliners for it. Um, uh, Bruni was did one record for him. Um, and then Bruce played it to Bruce Lamont, all that. But earlier that day, we I thought we might have played with you guys earlier in the day because we were with like Death Heaven earlier in the day. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that was when like Death Heaven went on like like third or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, no, Death Heaven, Death Heaven opened opened up for all of us. I think. Yeah, and it was it was like a a day show, and yep. uh, yeah. it was like it was um some some afternoon type thing. We played, you guys played. That's right, Death yeah. Heaven played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, Alters played. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's all starting to come back, and that's that's when I, yeah. I met Jeff. I think not that show, but at the uh, Profound Lore thing is where I met Jeff. I think. I'm trying to figure out if Rob from Battlefield, Rob introduced us in there because he we picked him up there and he did sound for us too that night, or if if it was in Minneapolis before that, I can't remember where you and I first met, but I know it was Rob from Battlefields that introduced Yes, me. yeah, and um, yeah, Battlefields, I feel like we were not on tour with them, but they were like on a lot of shows on that particular run of dates that we did. I can't remember who we were actually out with during that period of time, though. Were you, were you was that like First Tombs tour then, probably? No, 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 that was probably like, I mean that we were on relapse at the time, and we okay. done a we done a bunch of stuff before we got uh huh. you know. I feel like relapse. you guys were still. I feel like you were still pretty fresh though, because we were still talking about anodyne and Versoma at the time when yeah, you were yeah, starting was, to do tunes. Yeah, that was that was definitely maybe like the th maybe third third year of the band. Like I think maybe oh, okay. winter winter okay. hours just came out or something and oh that's right yep yep that's right yeah, yeah so that yeah, that I... tour that tour might have been either uh isis pelican or pelican wolves in the throne room so i'm not sure which oh one. that's right that's right yeah um yeah no rob mentioned that you guys it's like you guys would be playing the same cities the same nights somehow yeah so you'd be like running into each other and shit that's right yeah battlefields is great man god they were so good so good. Did you hear that last thing that Steven put out? That um, six song thing? That By they Battlefields? 
Yeah. You, are you Steve, talking about Steve it, Steve Williams, right? From In It? Yep, yep. In It put it out, yeah. Um, and then um, it was just like the sixth song, song thing. Sanford mixed it for him and stuff, too. But it was after Translation Lock. Yeah, fucking. Named after the. Fu- Steve. The Steve late? rules. He's got a great label, but you never know when his records come out. Steve is incredible. I love him to death. He did the um, he did the first Wolfhammer record. Yeah, actually. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, Feral Light. Too. Yeah, that, yeah, it's that Agassiz EP that they did last. Did you ever listen to that? No, I, I have to. Uh, I didn't even know it came oh, out. Dude, it's, it's like it's there is so much potential there. Had they like maybe toured it or pushed it, I feel like they finally would have broke. Actually, honestly, but. They think they were all done too. Yeah, I mean that's like, like uh, I, I felt I always felt like the components were there. You know, like I I was like I remember watching those guys on those dates, and I was like, man, this band's like incredible. You know, like they had the atmosphere, they were heavy, their songs were cool. Um, yeah, they were, and then they just like kind of vanished, and, and yeah. like I, I didn't I mean, even I know think... the record came out in twenty twenty one. I didn't even know that was out. Yeah, I feel like they maybe. Um got sick of carrying around that back line too that's true <laughs> it was <yeah>. unnecessary <laughs> it yeah. was totally unnecessary <laughs> you know i, I kind of i got away from all the big like cabinets you know over the years I man we, i think we all have yeah we all have i think we realized that like maybe working with your sound guy a little bit and oh, yeah. like stage stage volume isn't nece- isn't so necessary you know what i mean because people like to hear the drummer too <laughs> That, that's the thing, man. It's like there was like that weird trend, like, you know, 2006, 2007. Everyone had well, like I, two, two like full stacks and, you know, oh, two no, I'd SVGs. Even say, I'd, I'd, I'd even say two, 99 to 2007. It was okay. almost a decade, decades worth of like, of like overuse of fucking amplification, dude. Yeah. 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 Just. Uh, like te- pure, pure. It's like terrorism, you know. <laughs> and some well, of that was in pr- on purpose, really. But I mean, a lot of it was like you know playing with no PA. You know, what I mean, it totally. Was like that, all, yeah. all of us came out of just doing these like DIY shows with just yeah, the vocals, sure. you know. And finally, suddenly, we're all on real stages playing through like actual sound systems with a sound engineer. And, so- and some guys are like, "Turn it down," and you're like, "No." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and and then just, you know, just suddenly... be petulant little pricks about it, dude. Like I'm not turning down. Like it would yeah. probably help if you did, but whatever. And I've seen I've seen great bands have their set ruined by not turning down. Totally, absolutely. Gosh, yeah. you know. So these days, I just roll with a half stack. <laughs> yeah. And it's so much nicer on our backs too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not getting any younger, you know. So it's nice to not oh, yeah, carry sure. all that shit. You know. You know what's also cool is like not playing shows. <laughs> well, you, you know, I I can relate, you know, but um, you know, we uh, you know, after no, the that's pandemic, what you, that's that's what you do though. Like me, I just like I don't know. I like I tried to do a few last year with Lotus Thrones, and I had a fucking murk of a lineup for my backing band but like it just was like unless you're doing it for like at least five shows in a row and you can get into a rhythm i was just like doing local shows as as like my solo project with my backing band just seems fucking worthless you know and it turned out to be like 
I don't know. There was just it wasn't worth it. You know, it was fun. I'm glad I tried it. But so when did all right? So what's what's the genesis of Lotus Thrones? Because I only I only know that one record. I'm just starting to get into the band. So tell me about okay. how this all started. Okay, so Wolfhammer, I left in um, 2015. I um, basically lit my life on fire. At that point, I was extremely addicted to cocaine and um, my own personal brand of narcissism and being a piece of shit, basically. So um, the only thing I could think to do was basically burn every bridge around me and quit the band. Um. I met my now ex-wife. I got married. I had my daughter. Um, moved back to South Dakota, where I'm from. That's why oh, wow. I know Steven, uh, yeah. Steven and uh, all the exam dudes, like uh, Spirit of Versailles, all that stuff. You know, that's the scene I came out of. Um, so we're back there, um, and as they like to say back then, what was it? Um, un, what, unprecedented times happened. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and we were in the weirdest place on earth to go through COVID. Honestly, South Dakota was, was one of the strangest fucking experiences of my life being back home after like 20 some odd years, almost 20 years. Like, cause I left in 2001, 2002. And I hadn't been back. I visited my parents, but like not lived there. And it's like, a very MAGA, like Republican, like red state. So, so what uh, happened was everyone, everyone was in like complete denial that there was anything going oh, on. Oh, completely. Oh, there were signs that said you cannot wear a mask in our store. <laughs> it was wow. the opposite. It was fucking. It was lawless, dude. It was like the wild fucking west, man. Um, but. I was supposed to go to, do you know who Freddie Corbin, the tattooer is? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know him personally, but I know his work. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. A temple tattoo out of Oakland. Yeah. So my ex, my ex was going to get, um, get me this huge tattoo on the other side of my head for my 40th birthday. And now it's 2020. So we weren't going anywhere. So she goes, what do you want? And I had been jamming with uh, my, my buddy, Matt, who he's a bass player in Riff Lord, actually. Um, there from there, um, we were jamming this thing and I was trying to figure out a way to record drums. That was easy. And I've seen everything that's been done with superior drummer and sound yep. replacement and all oh, that yeah. stuff. So, so she got me an Elisa strike kit for my 40th birthday and I started fucking around in logic, um, and with stuff on my own. And I was going back and forth with a friend and he was teaching me some things as guitar player, dude. But he's uh, he's super into he's a union dude. He's into union organizing and he's like very focused on that. And um, with my level of obsession into things, like I uh, I just I needed something else to do. So I was like, now we're I I was waiting on somebody else all the time. So what I did was um, one day I got up, I went to the pawn shop across the street from my tattoo shop there. I bought an $80 Fender Mustang. Okay. They're nice guitars, by went, the way. No, a Squire, actually. It was oh, a Squire Mustang. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's still, it's, I still I love that guitar, actually. Yeah, I fucking love cool. that guitar. Yeah. 
Um, I bought that. I ran over to um, Guitar Dead Center and I got. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, I it's okay to, to say that on this show, though. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I ran over to Pro Gear Pro Attitude, <laughs> and I got myself an I got myself an interface and a hundred dollar MIDI controller. That's all you need. What kind of interface do you get? Just the Scarlet. Okay. Yeah, those two, are sick. I'm I'm using one right now. Actually, they're great. Yeah, yeah, just a two-channel Scarlet I grabbed, and um, 48 hours later, I had a cover of I and I Survive from Bad Brains. Right on. Nice. Because um, it's what I used to sing to Magnolia, my daughter, what I used to sing that to her to, to, to sleep. And plus, we during the day, like her first, like, um, when I was with her during the day when she was a baby, we'd listen to Rock for Light. Because she loved the noises that HR would make too, so I see that. But the yeah. yeah, but the reggae noise, like the reggae song, was like in my mind. I was like, okay, I haven't played guitar since I was fourteen, like well, like or even that great then either. But I was just like, it's a reggae song. There's probably three chords, and if I put a bunch of fucking delay on it, and then sing it like Justin Broderick and put it about half the speed, it might be a really cool cover and I can see what happens. And then I sent it to Sanford and I sent it to Jeff and they said, keep going. About a month later, I had that first record, Lovers in Wartime. And this is all while you're out in South Dakota, right? Yep, yep, in the basement. Like, we start, things were starting, I was starting to work again at the time though, summer was over, it was fall, getting towards winter. Um, there's a lot of catharsis happening too. Maybe some foreshadowing to uh, the fractures in my relationship at the time, and the, how much we were really unhappy living there. Um, so, I think that that helped push me to make that record. Um, and then um, we to getting to now. So around it was around Thanksgiving, I think. I, uh, I was finished up, um, and I also did Altars of the Moon vocals around then, too, for that first Altars of the Moon um, with Jeff, and then uh, the guy, uh, uh, Nate from WADA is in that. Okay. Yeah, I know that band. Um, um, so we had this huge blowout, me and my ex, and we were like, this sucks here. Let's get the fuck out of here. Now, and what she's from, this is about what? like 2020 like 20 2021 something like that almost 20 it's almost 2021 because i've been in i've been in pa now for two years my okay. ex-wife's from allentown oh okay oliver yeah. oliver but her best friends and stuff live in around the philly area so it was just like it's like let's get out of here and go there and i have friends here too like um we have, you know, like mutual friends of ours, you, you, yours and mine. Yeah. Um, and um, so it just made sense. So we got here. I chilled a little bit. My uh, and then right around we got here in April of 2021. May of 2021, I rebuilt my studio and I started Heretic Souvenir then. And I had that done in like where else? Lovers, Lovers, the first record took me like three weeks. Heretic Souvenir took me like two months, two and a half months. I really got into that. 
Um, and like I was texting Sanford a lot about production shit and stuff like that. And like really getting into like that aspect of it, like really getting into writing, you know, all that. Um, and, um, yeah, I had that done by like mid July, I think, or August. Um, so then I started doing, there's four other EPs that I started doing after the fact where I really distilled kind of each sound that I sort of feel like is like the major parts of Lotus Thrones, like the Nor jazz, the dark wavy goth stuff, the industrial stuff, and then the post metal stuff, like, and even the shoegazy kind of stuff. So there's these four other EPs that are out that are like distilled versions of like those things, you know? So, um, but I did all those after the fact. Um, so November of that year, I went to Chicago and me and Sanford mixed and Bruce did sax. Um, I finished vocals there and then um, came out this last year here. Yeah. Now, part of my my ignorance on this, so because I'm I'm a new I'm a new fan. OK, so um, all of this stuff is independently released. Am I correct to assume that to a point? No, Jeff, Jeff helps me with it. And then I'm on scene. I'm on scene red too. Scene red put out the vinyl for Heretic. Okay. And then and then Jeff um, does CDs for me, and and plus it's just another you know it's just it's kind of him and I kind of help each other out too by me being on his roster and then all that. But most of the works, I mean, almost all the works done on my own other than mixing. So and then Bruce Bruce Lamont does like the saxophone work. So. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with uh, Bruce Lamont. For sure. I'm like, and I don't know if we're, I mean, like, as much as like he's, we're not, maybe not supposed to talk about him. Scott Kelly was right when he said the only worthwhile sax player ever is Bruce Lamont. So you but, can, uh, like, you can talk about Scott Kelly all you want on everything. Okay, black. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going right. to cancel anyone because of their mistakes or whatever. I don't believe for sure. Kind of for sure. Yeah, but I saw I saw one time I saw Scott Kelly solo with Bruce backing him up, and they did Cortez the Killer, and I have never had the had the deepest one single tear in my eye at the end of that. And uh, Scott was joking on stage. He goes, "Saxophones are stupid, except for Bruce Lamont or something like that." <laughs> uh, yeah, but, and and John Zorn, but, but um, yeah, oh. Yeah, because I have That's the um, I I have the Bandcamp like digital version, uh, so that you know I just downloaded it off off uh, Bandcamp, so I don't I don't I wasn't aware of what label affiliations you had. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have some help, but it's definitely like it's all licensed. You know, it's me. So yeah, it's not. There's no like. I mean, yeah, I guess it's independent. It's not, I don't know. Everybody's helping each other out. I feel like it's as purely punk rock as you can get in the digital age, which is what I love about the digital age, actually. I don't mind it, honestly. Like, I mean, it sucks we're not getting paid, but at the same time, I feel like people have only, the only reason to make art now is to make good art because you're not trying to, there's nothing to sell, you know, which sucks, but it's also pure it's i don't know i feel like covid like leveled the playing field with that shit in a way too you know what i mean like everybody's making such good art now like like i hear so many things that are like incredible all the time i'm like this is fucking good this is fucking good this is fucking good there's so much good stuff to digest yeah this year i mean every, the last couple of years have been great for music and yes. uh, so many Just... awesome so much awesome stuff and um yeah like like this record was uh a really nice find very unique um different 
than a lot. I mean, not not different from a lot of stuff I listen to, but different than the kind of stuff that people have been recommending to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I like that's the thing too. Is like I feel like guys our age, somebody like someone our age will hear it and be like, "Holy shit, dude! This guy loves '90s Killing Joke. This is awesome." You know what I mean? But like, um, I think it goes over a lot of like the younger people's heads and stuff. You know, there's a there's a there's a certain I feel like it's I don't know. Somebody said like they can tell how much I like '90s industrial on it and like that kind of shit. You know, so. I don't know. I feel like it's a little old. I feel it's a little old for some people. Well, it's funny you mention that because I feel like a lot of kind of, um, you know, old post-punk stuff is popular again, except that you have to nail it like right on the nose for like younger people to get into it, you know? For sure. If it doesn't sound exactly like Joy Division or Chameleons or something, they're like not into it, you know what they I don't, mean? And I'm just... yeah. Like they don't I'm dig too the, weird. Uh, they don't dig like the 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 influence. They they don't like hearing it crossed with something else because they want to sure. be able to like just dial in exactly to what this obvious thing is. You know? Yeah, for sure. It's just like it's like people like I don't know, it's like when I hear like um it's like when you hear a song like that how do you ever you pronounce it, Kaif or K I F off uh, dark side of the spoon from ministry yeah like that's a post-punk song to me sure you that's know gr- i like that record actually by the way it's I like one of the too. later or ones like yeah I, filth pig's my favorite ministry record it's a gnarly son of a bitch you know what i mean it's ugly well that has probably my favorite song uh the fall is on that record Did I, you, I, I sent you a cover of the fall and oh, that, oh and it's that, that that's in the dropbox oh man yeah that is right it's just and it's a it's for the Nor Jazz EP I did last this last summer. Hell yeah. um, that's just me and Bruce. There's no vocals on it except for the fall cover. So it's like a weird Nor Jazz thing. And instead of the piano crescendo, it's Bruce doing a saxophone crescendo. Oh man, yeah, you sent that to me when I was kind of like en route between a couple of different places, so I didn't get a chance to really check it out yet. Yeah, no, I didn't know. Yeah, I just thought of it. I was like, here's a co- like I'm gonna do like kind of a stopgap thing here and drop like all these covers that I did on those EPs. And then some other covers that Jeff and I did on some, like we did a Cure split, we did a Portishead split, and none of that stuff's on like real streaming like services. And then plus I had like I put a I put a, the first song that I wrote for Heretic Souvenir didn't end up on there. It's the short little like two minute kind of post punk rocker. And then I did a a song for um this blog. God damn it! And I feel so bad not remembering it right now. Um, what is that? I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but I changed the title of it. Um, and I've kind of remixed it some, and I'm going to put that on there too. So, um, and just to, just to like throw all those out there. Cause they're not really out there. And I'm working on a finishing an underworld cover for that. And I might finish this and I might finish this Peter Gabriel cover that I've been wanting to, to do for a while here too. So, Damn. cause, cause he's probably one of my favorite artists ever. Like the Genesis I, uh, stuff or yes. solo material? Well, yeah, yeah, Genesis, yeah. But um, the first, well, I guess it'd be the first five Peter Gabriel records. Everything through So I think is incredible, um, except for Scratch. I don't really like Scratch. It's good, but it's like it sounds like a it sounds like he was trying to be too Bowie-ish on there, 
Or else it's like the first one still sounds like old Genesis with like down the Dolce Vita and like Salisbury Hill, those songs, you know, yeah. but, but security and melt are just, they break my heart. They're so fucking incredible. Um, I'm doing a, I want to try to do a cover of, I, of, um, I, I don't remember off of, off of, off of melt actually. Cause this, the, it's so, it's so weird. And I don't know, like a uh, cold warish feeling. You know, yeah, I don't think I know that song. I gotta check. I gotta look that up. Or is it? I can't remember. No, it's. I don't remember. Yeah, it's what it's called. Yeah. Okay, I gotta. I gotta check um, that out. I don't, I don't it's like empty one. stomach, empty head, empty heart, empty bed. I don't remember. Like it's fucking so cool. Um, and I got. It had a really big influence. My third record's done, and he had a huge, huge influence on it. Um. It's and it's. I, I was watching the Americans. You that, know that show, uh, the TV show. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Yeah, I've seen the first season. It's pretty cool. You should watch all of it. It fucking ends beautifully too. But I basically have a loose concept of two KGB agents in love in early '80s Cold War era, with a little more of a sci-fi kind of like bent to it, I guess. Um, for my next, for my third record. Damn, it's, you're, uh, you're like uh, ripping these uh, records out, man. It's cool. This has been done for like, I've had it done since, I don't know, there's a couple touch-ups I got to do, but it's been done probably since May. Um, and I had like done, a, I did I did a lot of it when I first, my, my ex-wife and I first broke up um, and I moved into my own place. I like, uh, obviously just like kind of vomiting emotion out, you know? Sure. Uh, demoing it, all that. And then um, I didn't do anything with it for months. And then Neil from Creed was up getting tattooed. And I played him some stuff that hadn't, I, I hadn't done any vocals yet. I played him all this instrumental stuff. And he was just like, this thing's like done. You just got to f- finish it, dude. So I got back in. I also did, um, I did the outro for the new Creed record, Ruiner. I did the oh, outro yeah. for I gotta, that. I got to check that out too, man. Yeah, I did the outro on the last song. And then um, I did an intro for um, the split, I think, with, that's coming out with Withdrawal, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I got I got to come in and do some noise on that. That felt really good because I played drums for Creed Live once. So so Neil said I had to be on recording somewhere. Um, and I think um, after I finish the third record i'm gonna do um i'm working on just an amp some ambient stuff for a little while i think it's not going to be under the uh lotus thrones uh name oh it's it's else. no it's it totally is because my whole thing with lotus thrones is i'll do whatever the fuck i want with it as i please it's an art project you know right so that's why there's that's why you hear all the other stuff happening in it too you know like there's that's why there's the jazz elements and the industrial and all that. I'm just like, I want to, this is what I want to hear right now. So this is what I'm going to make of it. I don't, I don't necessarily think I need to put a different name behind it. Now for the most part with, except for like, you know, some guests, maybe this is like, you do everything, guitar, bass, synths, the drums. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All of it. Yeah. So, um, like if I need a shredder, I'll bring in a so like Andy's done a couple solos on stuff for me. Uh, Andy from Fairlight. Okay, um, yeah, he's a Jeff, shredder. I 
I had Jeff play bass on my spring EP, the Vernal EP, because I'm not a, the thing is, I'm a mediocre guitar player who's managed to like fake it, you know, and hear it out. But I am the worst fucking bass player in the world. A lot of the bass you hear on there is synth bass. And I actually kind of like it. I run it through a shitload of distortions and stuff, you know, and I like, I actually, I think it's kind of integral to a lot of my sound is the synth bass stuff, actually. But for that shoegazy kind of EP, I really needed an actual bass player. So Jeff did all that for me. But he played a lot of that through Ebo anyway, so it ends up sounding crazy and awesome. So That's, that's um, killer. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Jeff, Jeff, whenever I've had Jeff do stuff for me, it'll be like, he'll be like, is this noisy enough? And I realize like that's an integral part for me too, is like, is it kind of nasty underneath it? Like it's gotta be like, everything's gotta be real saturated. So when you had so, these live shows, right? So what, yeah. what was the story with that? Yeah, because you have played live, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, played three shows. Um, the first, there's this cool band called Guts out of New York, uh, like like uh, Albany, I think. No, no, Albany. I don't know, upstate. They're upstate dudes. Um, and they asked me to do some shows, so I uh, hit up David Grossman, who we're mutual friends with. You and oh, I. Know. Yeah, Dave's great, man. He's cool. Yeah, Dave played bass. Um, Josh Mahesh, uh, that that fills in for Rosetta sometimes, and he's in that hardcore band, Model Prisoner. Okay. Who also does he does New Miserable Experience with Dave. Um, he played guitar. Um, our friend um, Matt Geary, who did that band Cape of Bats, which is pre Devil Master. Yep, totally. He played guitar. Yep, and then Jason from Krieg and Sunburster played uh, drums. Right on, man. Like I told so, you, I told you, I, I, I had a fucking Merc lineup for that, but it just was just like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't financially worthwhile whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it. I, I imagine like executing something like this is probably a little bit harder, you know, once you're It was different. Well, it. It, that, that was my other thing with it too, is especially having the privilege of four of individuals like that come in. It was like, let's interpret these things. This isn't meant to like listen. It wasn't. It got close, but in parts. But and I even did some like extra live synthy noise and stuff. I was playing synth live and doing noise stuff and um, vocals, obviously, you know. And they were doing the rest. But it was like there was no necessary need to like try to like make it sound like the record because it wasn't gonna, you know, because that's all based on production and like and um and uh, composition things like that like and experimentation so it's like live it was going to be different so it was fun too for sure you know that's kind of the scary thing man because i um there's a project like a four song ep that's about to come out that i just did over the winter and uh it was just me and a drummer and uh it only exists and then that weird ethereal world of yeah, you know, your recording. mind, you know, yeah, like, and, and, yeah. you know, it's like, it doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? It's not like there's uh -huh. like five guys like standing in a room making this music, you know? That's yeah. That's the thing too. Is like my main instrument's my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's an interesting place to be in these days where, you know, in my experience and primarily your experience has been, in a collaborative band situation where you're in a practice space, you know, you're like, you know, you might have some ideas that you demoed at home, but 
the integral parts, like all the connective tissues worked out like organically, you know, but yeah, in this exactly. case, yeah, with, with like this project that you're doing and the project that I'm, you know, it's about to come out. This is all really internal dialogue stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so like, it's interesting. That's the thing too, is a lot of the stuff with Lotus Thrones is like, especially drum wise and some of that stuff is the first take, like the first take of drums. And then I might do a little overdubbing for some nudging, you know, in, in, in the MIDI and stuff. Right. But then, um, I'll have like, yeah, I'll have an idea in my head and I'll play it out on drums kind of, but it, it's never what you think it's going to be when you're intended in your mind. And then I just start adding stuff on top. So it's like when, when it comes to the idea of a live situation, it's like, I have to go back and relearn what some of that stuff was. And I'm yeah. not a school, I'm not a school musician. I can't read music. I have to hear everything out. I know six chords. So it's like, um, and I have to kind of remember where the numbers on the frets were, things like that. Like, I sh I can't read fucking tab to save my life. So it's like, that was a really difficult part about doing the live situation was I had to go back and like, remember how I played certain parts of these things. When a lot of times it was just like happy accidents or just like, it was like, oh, that sounds perfect. I'm not going to fuck with that. Let's move on. You know what I mean? Like just like painting, I'm like I'm a tattooer too. During the for my day job, I have been for 25 years. I've always been um, a visual artist, so it's like I kind of make music in the same kind of manic sort of aspect, where it's just like I'm slapping paint on stuff. I'm I'm adding in claws and teeth and eyes, and then all of a sudden it's a monster. But I don't remember how I got there. So yeah. te teaching it, and then having four school guys in the room with you, looking at you like I'm like it's just kind of like this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind. I I I can relate to that because I'm like the most. Yeah, I'm not the most technical player either, man. As it comes to things. I, I don't know. I would disagree with you about that after watching you for so many years and being a <laughs> fan of your bands for. But um, you, yeah, it's say, all... say 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 what you need to to be modest, Mike Hill. That's cool. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> I, I fake it. I fake it till I make it. You know what I mean? Dude, I went back and um, I listened to the Versoma record today. And I was thinking about all this stuff that, like, even, like, the days of, like, like Golden Sky, Exam, oh, yeah. like, all that stuff. And it's just, like, it's no – I mean, I'm sure some – like, I think – I feel like guys and I – you and I were listening to Black Metal back then. Sure. Like, and we're fans of it, for sure. But, like, the tonal nature of the stuff we were doing back then is so reminiscent of what was going on in Black Metal too. You know what I mean? Like, there's like it's so comparable. Um, when, yeah, I mean, I, no doubt, definitely. And I was like thinking about that of just like we were like considered like I don't know post 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 hardcore kids back then or something like that. I don't know what we were, but like doing this weird noise, like this weird almost true screamo meets unsane like like noise rock vibey shit. Like we were all into, and like um. I don't know when I hear Seisha or like Orchid, it sounds like black metal to me now. I'm like, I'm like, it's fucking, it's like, it, it's all you have to do is cut the weird haircut off the dude and take the white belt off of him and put a bullet belt on him. And it's pretty much there. No, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, there's a song on, um, what was the lit golden sky record where the song actually sounds like a 
straight up like black metal song. It's like the, yeah. the one I recorded for them. There was like this one particular song where Alexander's vocals, like he sounded like like he was in like Marduk or something, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like there's just um, even like parts of the Locust and shit, dude. Like I don't know. There was stuff. Ah, God, that whole like late '90s like Gravity Records stuff, man. I like when they when they went hard, it was fucking. That stuff's not entertainment. There's, it's just as uncomfortable and and atmospheric. Well, you know, my thing. I love all that stuff. You know, the yeah, Gravity Records stuff, like the Red Scare, and you know, yes, all that yeah, stuff's totally. great. You know, it's incredible music, like Swing Kids, like all that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Honeywell, even though they weren't on Gravity, but they were like, you know, that style. Same scene, yeah. same scene of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even City of Caterpillar. City like, of Caterpillar. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit later, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate thing is when you say screamo now, they people they got, think they of, don't know what. Yeah, I like or even true like real emo music. Like people yeah. don't know what that is. They have no fucking clue, dude. Like, like if I say that to somebody, they give me this look like, like I'm talking about the used or something, and I'm like, yeah. no. Or like a no, band dude, like dude, Thursday or something like that. Yeah, totally. Where it's like, no, I'm talking about shit that would scare the pants off you, dude. Like where you'd be in a sweaty basement with these like, like. With like, what ink and dagger, that's a Antioch fucking, arrow, arrow, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, where you're in fear of what's happening, you know what I mean? And I feel like there was a sense of danger happening in those scenes and stuff, you know, like in those shows were violent too, you know, yeah, there were like real creepy kids that were into that kind of stuff, yeah, totally, totally arty kids and stuff, yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, I always yeah. felt like that scene had a lot in common with black metal, I mean. I, sure. I backed into black metal like back in like maybe 94 because of uh, one of my old bands was on tour and the record label gave us a pile of magazines and one of them just happened to be that magazine about the Norwegian scene. Oh, the spin cover? The yeah. Spinner, the, spin, yep. the spin one? Yeah, that legendary and, one. That, and that sort of broke it. It broke it in America. For yeah, sure. and that was like yeah. just completely by accident and me and the bass player in that band were just like kind of taking that a piss like, you know we were just like this yep. is really funny looking stuff but then yep. on that tour we found all these cassettes like the um the emperor enslaved like cassette and yeah. uh and we listened to it and then the burzum records and it was like suddenly it it sort of took on oh, its yeah. own life you know what i mean that's the thing is like that stuff is like one day it clicks with you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, uh, I, my, my direct relative ness to understanding black metal is directly related to discovering neurosis actually. Sure. It, um, that was, I discovered them on enemy of the sun when that right around the time that came out. Cause they played uh Nordic hall in Sioux falls, like the Nordic hall. Um, and they had done, they toured there through pain of mind and shit like that too. I think, um, and Word is Law. But I saw them for through Silver and Blood the year it came out, um, I think four or five times. And it's like three of them were in Sioux Falls. Um, well, did you ever meet Terry Taylor? Did Anadine ever play there? Yeah, many times, actually. Many times, yeah. So you probably knew Terry. Terry oh, Taylor. Terry, Terry Taylor was on uh, this podcast, actually. 
Yeah, yeah. And then Face of Decline is the first relapse ever, yep. release ever, actually. Um, oh, yeah. So Terry had them coming through constantly, especially during Through Silver and Blood. I saw them with Dead and Gone and I Hate God. I saw, I saw that same, same tour. Dude, saw the same tour. I saw them with Bloodlet and Today is the Day for Morningstar and in Theogen, which is probably the gnarliest fucking show I've ever seen in my life, dude. Yeah. Like, I saw them with the Pantera thing that same year in Biohazard. Yep, that's up right. the Fargo Dome, dude. Like, Fucking, and at Ozfest too that year. See, I didn't, played, I didn't did, see him at Ozfest, but I've seen him in some of those other settings. That was, sure. it was in the Metrodome in Minneapolis. They played Locust Star and Purify, and then they did a Tribes of Neuro thing for 15 minutes, and there were maybe 20 of us up front, just like primitive. And then I turn around to a, a sea of the blankest fucking looks I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, those those Pantera Ozfest kids had no idea what that they were watching at that time. But, but the thing was, was hearing that, especially because Silver has such a um, even lower production quality or a weirder production quality than Enemy. You know, Billy got really weird on that production. You know, the first time I heard that record, I was like, this doesn't sound like what it was described to me. But I, I like kept listening and listening and I fucking fell in love with it. And then I heard like Dark Throne and like I heard I heard Transylvanian Hunger Blaze. Um shit. Uh and then Anthems from Emperor. Okay. Yeah. And those are cacophonous records. And I, I don't think without neurosis, I think without neurosis, I wouldn't have got, they wouldn't have clicked with me the way they did. Yeah. The, uh, anthems, I can see the, um, that, that's what really kind of drew me in with black metal. Cause I was always really into like bands like neurosis and that sort of thing. That was like kind of yeah. like, but that nineties, mid nineties era, that was like my, my, I worshiped that band. And you know, of course, we did that tour, picked up those cassettes. The stuff is cool. It's starting to grow on me. But then when yeah. I got deeper into the um, Emperor thing, I, it, it, the, the sort of um, the depth of their music resonated with me the same way that Neurosis did. And that's what made me really take it seriously. Yeah, like, um, you know, In the Nightside Eclipse is cool, but I like feel like it's overproduced like now. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I I immediately go to anthems always because it's like they describe the some people will be like black metal sounds like it's recorded in a cave well that one sounds like it's recorded in a cavern right. and like you can see like the stalactites and stuff but it's built inside of this blackened fortress I don't know like that's I does first that beautiful notes that they start out with oh, Jesus and then the maelstrom that happens afterwards it's like being in a blizzard of razor blades. Yeah. No, nah, it's an apt, apt description of that. Yeah. There's nothing quite like that one. That, that will always be my favorite black metal record of all time for sure. And I also remember like around that time in the nineties, like a lot of, a lot of kids that were into like noise were also into like black metal. For sure. Definitely. And like, and like us coming from that, like kind of like weird, dark, hardcore, pre dark, hardcore scene, like, you know, we were into like Tribes of Neuro and Nanamax and Mersbouth, weird yeah, shit like that. Exactly. Yeah, you know, all the release. Crash stuff. Worship. 
you know crash yep totally totally anything that like all the release stuff remember release yep. the other oh, side yeah. of relapse uh-huh. yeah. yeah um and then like even like am reppy shit oh dude you know? that, i love all yeah. those bands yeah yeah um especially those first couple like the more melodic today of the day records like those are fucking cool dude like yeah those like yeah i mean those those willpower Willpower oh. is like one of my favorite. It's a short album too. It's like one of my favorite. Yeah, it, but it's just there's like so much emotion in that. Like, oh, it like brings tears to my eye. It's, well, it's a heartbreaking record. Supernova and Willpower are definitely, I think, the high point of the band. Like, I don't really care when they started becoming like a quote unquote metal band. Is when I kind of yeah. lost me. You know, honestly, actually, you know what? They did a record with Kurt a few years ago. So I think it's the first time they hadn't recorded it themselves in a while. And right. it's called. Um, pain is a warning oh okay and it's like it's it's like a rock record and it's really fun actually oh, it really it fucking yeah it's really angry and catchy and it sounds like an am rep record like some of the lyrics are pretty like um a bit ham-fisted but it's still fun as fuck so i, I always always had day huge, fun but i always had huge respect for steve man as a, as a creative guy oh, completely yeah, you know I mean, like yeah. I thought, like I remember seeing today is the day, like that, you know, that supernova, uh, willpower lineup. Yeah, and even and even the uh, temple of the morning star. Morning star too. was sick. That yeah. was I love that record. Honestly, yeah, in the eyes of God, parts of it are great, but most of it kind of goes over my head. Like um, I feel like Brown's really re- reeled in his drumming in Mastodon actually, because on temple. Or, I'm sorry, on In the Eyes of God, it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Can you give me one thing to latch on to for just like a fucking measure or two? You know what I mean? The song <laughs> like, In the Eyes of God is incredible, but yeah, totally. I, I'm probably going to offend a bunch of people who love Mastodon, but like that record, I just can't listen to it, you know, honestly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, it's like, it's too much. Yeah, like, I find it unlistenable. A, yeah exactly there's like there's a matter of like there's a matter of being challenging and even there's times when it's like certain things are not meant to be entertainment and i realize that but like then there's a thing of just like jesus fucking christ chill the fuck out a minute here do you know what i mean give me like i mean give me a sec it's like having a hot it's like it's like it's like having a hot water like a faucet turned on to hot all the way at full blast and holding your hand under it you know what i mean where you're just like yeah this sucks dude come on come on this is too much <laughs> yeah but i i just remember like you know willpower super supernova is great too and yeah um temple of the morning star and just there's being, being like this is like the future of music you know what i mean yeah yeah it's it's heavy it's scary and at the same time there's this vulnerability to it there's like openness, this like heartache, you know? Yeah. And like there's also and there's also hooks. Yeah. Hooks get forgotten. Which is one thing that I've always loved about what you've done in like Anodyne, especially and in tombs, like it's atonal, but you you remember that people like there needs to be something that like is enjoyable about it. You know, there's a hook in there that's like that people like latch onto that I think gets forgotten a lot. No, thanks, man. I mean, I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I um, deep down, You're... you know, I have like this kind of sad boy, like kind of thing going on. So, you know, that when... kind of finds its way into the music, I think. Yeah, exactly. No, when it, the first time I heard Winter Hours, your first vocals that open up are like, 
really like Broderick post punky, like uh head of David kind of yeah. like these, like these, um, like, uh, charismatic kind of like atonal moans in a way, you know what I mean? But it's like, to me that like that sort that soars in my heart that like massages it, even though it's meant to be cold, you know, like I like, fucking love that shit. And that's right. why I sing the way, then that's the way I, that's why I sing the way I do too. Cause I can't sing. So I'm just trying to like do my best Ian Curtis, Justin Broderick impression. You know what I mean? Like, well, actually that song roses is, uh, to me, it sounds like, uh, like a heavy version of um, Love and Rockets or something like that. You know? Holy shit, dude. Thank you. No, I, I <laughs> wow. was like, that was the song. Like, I remember my buddy Morgan sent me the record, you know, the like a Spotify link or something. I was like, all right, yeah. cool. Let me you know, get into this. And right away, I was like, you know, the sax. There's like this kind of like swans kind of thing going on. And then um, like. That's later in the record, that song. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, I listened to it like five times in a row when I heard it. And uh, that's my, um, that's my Raven King. I was listening to the, Ra I was listening to Absolute Descent a lot when I was writing that song. And um, I learned the Raven King. I kind of learned it um, because I love the chord progression on there. And then I wrote Roses after that. So it's probably, if you put them together, they're not entirely dissimilar actually so yeah it's like oh. super catchy it's got that vibe to it which i was talking about and you know I've, I've always loved like you know bauhaus and uh you know loving rockets and all that kind of stuff and i thought that was like I'm like this is like i can't put my finger on what it is but it was like it reminded me of like like a like a heavy loving rockets song oh that's cool i, I love that comparison oh yeah. that makes me happy that's yeah, right that, that 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 makes me all blushy and gooey Oh yeah. So how how do you um how do you like living in Philly? Well, I live in Delco, man. I'm a I'm a I'm out in the Burbies, dude. Oh, okay. Because uh, best school district in Pennsylvania, we got our daughter in, so that's where you know, like, um, my ex has a house over in that area, so that we can have her. She goes to school media, so I'm just right over the other side of the reservoir in a town called Newtown Square, but I'm only 30 minutes from the city, really 35. My, uh, my partner, she lives there. So, um, I spend a lot of time there when I'm not with my daughter. So, um, I, I mean, it's cool. I got to see like, you know, like it's hard to catch up with Dave because he's a dad too, yeah. you know, and our schedules are kind of off. Um, and then, um, my other, my other close friend here is Liam from, from Dillinger. Um, he helped me out with uh, finding some stuff like when we first moved here. Like he tried to help us find like some housing things like that and stuff. So and he just got off that inflamed some inflamed stuff. So cause he's still in it for them. So I think Liam and I are going to meet up here in the next couple days. But nice. otherwise, I um I don't know. I just uh, I read a lot out here. Um, I tattoo like out here. Um, so I'm either with my kid or tattooing or with my gal, you know, that's about it these days. So it's cool. I've been enjoying the quiet life uh, lately too. So that's cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Um, we're, uh, I think we're going to go, we're going to falling water this weekend though, to the right house out there by Pittsburgh. The right on. Frank, Frank Lloyd right house. I'm really excited about that. It should be fucking rad. So um, my, my gal's really into architecture deep into it. So I'm learning a lot and it's starting to influence other visual aspects. Um, so I'm really like the state's huge and it's beautiful. 
fuck, I, you know, after growing up in like the plains with corn and shit, like I feel like I'm in an urbanized forest most of the time. People are like, what? It's just Pennsylvania. I'm like, no, it's fucking gorgeous here, you guys. It's beautiful. There's trees, dude. <laughs> yeah, PA, like, is, I, PA is pretty cool. Like I've all been all over that state. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, cool. I'm just so I'm just so used to, and I know there's agriculture here, but I'm just so used to like growing up around corn and and like and animal slaughter. Sure. Like that's all it is where I'm from. So it's like seeing just being able to go to a there's there's like five arboretums within an hour of me, you know what I mean? You can go walk around it and stuff. It's fucking cool, you know? Like oh, I love it here. I well I'm happy. That's nah, cool. Glad to hear it, man. For sure. I maybe not necessarily. I would love to be live in the city if I could, but you know, I got, I got. It's good for my kid out, kiddo out here. I definitely could. There's still some Delco shit that's a little too like. You know, they get a little bit uh, rednecky out here still. Some of it reminds me of back home, but you know, it's I'm close enough to the city that I can like get get a bath from that now and then. It's a weird mixture of out here. It's a weird mixture of like white trash and rich white people, but I need some color in my life. So I got to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Philly's always been like an interesting city, man. Like for many, many years, um, you know, I feel like I've had a lot of connections in that town, either through like, you know, friends or working with different record labels that are based there, like that kind of thing. For sure, yeah, yeah. You've been, yeah, with Tombs and what was Anodyne on? You were on uh, in it, I remember that. But what else? Yeah, I mean, we worked with a bunch of different labels, but uh, most of our like our LPs came out on uh, Skate Artist, which is oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah where a, were they out of? Philly. That was like a PA. They were label. Philly. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, Skate. Oh man, that's how. It, that's the Ken Mode connection there then too. Yep. Huh? Yep. Yeah, I met and those then guys uh, when they were like teenagers basically god that shit was <laughs> i love that old shit though um of uh, mennonites fucking so good oh yeah first kind. yeah and then what else um scott uh, you know scott uh, american heritage weren't you guys yeah like, yeah, yeah they were they yeah, were skip yeah. artists too yeah yeah scott's homies from that um God damn, those first, what, the first ISIS record, right? Or no, were they on Escape Artist? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, yeah, Mosquito Control was on Escape Artist. Uh, Is it, yeah, was they, it Celestial? Celestial, yep. Oh, I think yeah. that stuff's been reissued, though, maybe on uh By Hydra Head, or by Ipecac? Oh, yeah. okay. I knew yeah. Oceanic was the first one. That's right, they were Escape Artist, then, then Ipecac, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Keel Hall. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, playing, yeah. Playing, playing Enemy. Yeah. Playing enemy, yeah, fucking. Um, that's a singer. That's kissing goodbye and the uh, dead guy, right? Yes, uh, you know, Rorschach kissing goodbye. Yeah, you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, God, kissing goodbye was so good, dude. Great. So good, excellent band. Yeah, I try to have a little bit of that in there too. I gotta get a little noise rock in Lotus Thrones when I can here and there too, where it seems to feel right. I feel like like on the rock parts, it's almost noise rockish. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Like we're all we're all like guys from our like set are all down with all that stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean? for sure. It's, ah, it's that was such that the first time I heard Unsane or anything like that, I just like hammerhead 
Oh, man. Well, Hammerheads, uh, they're from South Dakota, right? No, they're from Minnesota. Well, they're from they're from North Dakota. North Dakota, actually. okay. Yeah, Fargo. But, like, I got to see those for – when I was living in Minneapolis around the time I started Wolfhammer is when the, they were starting to do their reunion shows. So it was – and then they did, like, this big AMREP fest. So I got to see, like, Boss Hog and shit like that, dude. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so rad. So cool. Um, Melvin's did – Melvin's opened. That's I, when it was the big band too, with big business in it. I gotta say, yeah. man, I'm not the biggest Melvin's fan. Yeah. It's still I mean, cool though, like yeah. that they would like there's they're like the headliner on the on the flyer for it, but they opened the show. Like right. that's as that's as Melvin's as you can get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like everything like up until Houdini. Like Houdini, I think, is a solid album. And then yeah. every record that came out after that, I I just can't I can't listen to it. You didn't like Stoner Witch. Stoner um, Witch is pretty fun. Yeah, go back right. and give it. Maybe go I'll, back and give it a try. Maybe I'll try. Like, uh, revisit that one. There's some bangers on it. I saw that's what got me into the Melvins because I got to see Downward Spiral tour. Oh, okay. Um, and the Melvins opened up with Stoner Witch, and then it was the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. Do you remember yeah. that fucking Of course. Thing? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that iconic stuff, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, God, tours were so good back then. Who else did I see? I saw White Zombie with the Super Suckers. Like, <laughs> wow. I, uh, Same that, year. That's insane, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Um, year before that, my dad took me to Lollapalooza 93. That was my first sort of real concert. Because two years before that, I harassed him when I was 11 years old all summer to take me to Clash of the Titans, and it didn't happen, you know, because I'm yeah. I'm 11. I'm 11. Yeah, I miss. <laughs> I, I had to sit that one out too, actually, with you know, Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, yep. Suicidal. I think that was the uh, Clash tour. It was Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Allison Chains. Oh shit, that's right. That that's, that's bold, <laughs> man. That's a yeah, bold super move. bold. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it was their first major tour, like, and they were fucking heckled every night, probably. I'm guessing. So, but that's why Tom was on. Uh, Tom's on Dirt, actually. Really? You know that? You know that song that's like where it's just that guy that's yelling, "I am fire god." Whoa! Oh, that's Tom. That's Tom Araya. That's Tom Araya, dude. Yeah. Oh wow! Damn. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a '90s grunge rock fact for you. Right on. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Alice in Chains fan. Alice is so good. Yeah. Even like, dude, those new records are good. Yeah. No, no, they they're great actually. And um, we played dude, Hellfest. Yeah. Well, I don't care about that really, but like, uh, he uh, we we played um Hellfest a number like I don't know like 2017 maybe, and uh, Alice in Chains played the same day, so I got a chance to see them like on a big European oh, cool. festival stage. Yeah, I've only I've only gotten to see videos with the new frontman, but he does a good job, dude. No, he sounds great, guy. man. He's awesome. Yeah. And Jerry, I mean, it's funny. A lot of that Jerry lot of that is the guy, really. Yeah, yeah that's he's what I the mean. Guy. You don't you don't realize that to like because I saw Allison Chains with Staley yeah. at Lollapalooza '93. I saw them and, on that too, actually. And um, I couldn't believe in my 13 year old mind how much. Jerry was actually singing like as much, if not some points more than Lane was actually. Lane almost felt like a backup singer at points. At some points, I mean? yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But he just had that like that tragic figure like vibe, 
You know what I mean? That they kind yeah, of needed. Sure. They needed a front man like that. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, but that that, that band was it's all. That's one thing about that band is like they are. Um, they weren't one person. They were definitely the sum of their parts. Like yes, Mike Starr, yeah. like all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Even 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 Inez, who came after yep. Starr, like yeah, like perfect replacement. You know, and then but like fucking their drummer god jesus he's stylistically so different like every time i hear an alice and chain song it's like he's like always even like now i'll hear like uh like anything i we were listening a song came on off of facelift um and i forget what it was but it was just like he adds in these extra beats in there and stuff that are like they shouldn't be there but it's like fucking makes perfect sense you know same time i always felt like him and uh johnny kelly from uh typo negative negative sort of yeah they had like a dissimilar sort of vibe i thought yeah for sure um like hitting the china's in between things yeah and stuff like that yeah yeah really neat little um uh lyrical would be a good way to describe it actually. yeah very yeah, lyrical drummers well, Heath, man, it was great talking to you, man. And, yeah, I um, know. I don't. I'm a fucking talker. I'm no, sorry, dude. <laughs> no, this is great. That's what that's what podcasts are for, man. They're just like for for sure. communicating, you know. Cool. Um. Yeah. Um. And let's do it again when I got um I'll, when I got more ideas about this third record thing and when it's coming out, I'll let you know and I'll send you some stuff to check like other stuff to check out ahead of time here. Yeah, I, totally. I want to. I kind of want to know what you think of it so far, actually. So yeah, I, I want to check out the stuff in the Dropbox and. Uh, yeah, and, there's a there's a there's a Cure cover, there's the Ministry cover, there's a Samian cover, which I'm had to send you, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like. And then there's favorite bands. two. <laughs> yeah, there's and then there's two originals in there. So. Awesome. Cool. Well, All I right, appreciate we'll your uh, appreciate your generosity with that. Seriously. Oh, of course, no, no, I don't. You know what? That's my other thing. Is like. Record three, I'm just going to drop it. I'm not doing anything else with it. I'm just going to put it out there, I think, when it's, when it's, after I, I, I mean, I can't, I suck at mixing. So um, I'm probably going to have Will from Soam mix it. Soam yeah. and uh, Caspian. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yep. I know Will. Um, yeah. I'm going to have him mix it because um, he did my, my spring EP, the Vernal EP. And he did, I just, yeah, I want him to do it. And then I'm just going to, fucking digitally drop it i'm done with like i don't have enough clout i feel like i need to environmentally add more product to the world you know it's un i feel like it's just i'm putting more crap out in the world that could just be thrown away or sitting on a shelf which is like i feel bad about like with all the trash in the world you know so I, like, I get you man on that for sure yeah. So who needs more material, like material things like that? You can nobody's gonna buy it anyways. Fuck it. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see yeah. with that. All right, buddy. All right, man. It's fun. Thank you very Thank much, you. and let's uh, let's stay in touch, man. All right. Yeah, definitely, and um, we'll we'll see each other soon. I'm sure so we're not far. Well, I'm going to uh, my girlfriend and I are going to the Ash Code show next uh, Saturday out in Philly. I. That's when I'm going to be in uh, Falling Water at the um, at, at the seeing that right house. That's I'm on like me and me, me and my girl have a romantic getaway next weekend. So, but really bummed that your show is the same night as the Mission and Chameleons, dude. Oh that yeah, tune. yeah. I don't oh, think there's gonna be, I, besides from you. I don't I don't reckon there'll be a lot of crossover between those two shows. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm so yeah. yeah. Even though I want to I want to go to both because I like the, all the bands at both of them. But <laughs> I've had those. Two, 
I've had those tickets for two fucking years. Nah, you got to so do what you like, got to do, man. It's totally yeah, understandable. Well, sure. I mean, we'll, we're, we're starting to do shows again. We'll be back, you know. Cool. Yeah, and we'll run into each other for sure. Absolutely. So. All right, Heath. All right. Thanks well, a lot. Talk soon. Yeah, bye.